Hi, and welcome to the Fertility Warriors. Here at Fertility Warriors HQ, we believe in three things, grace, grit, and gratitude. We don't believe you have to be perfect to fall pregnant, but we do believe that you need to place yourself and your well-being at the top of your priority list. I'm your host, Robin Birkin. For some people, trying to conceive is a cakewalk. I was not one of those people. My journey was years in the making and included IUIs, IVF and a miscarriage, as well as many, many tears before we fell pregnant with our first child. Now I'm the author of the book, Screw Infertility, and the founder of a 12-week mind-body fertility program, the Fertility Warrior Intensive. I'm here to help you not only navigate these waters, but to help you feel like a badass in the process. My superpower? Helping Taipei women find calm, confidence and happiness in their journey. I'm a little woo-woo, a lot straight shooter, and I swear like a sailor. Sorry, mom. I've never turned down a bowl of mashed potato, and if you like salt and pepper, mm, I think we'll get along just fine. So hit that subscribe button and tune in for tips, advice, and real talk every week. I promise you, I'm not daggy. Okay, maybe a lot daggy, but subscribe anyway. Enough small talk, let's do this thing. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Fertility Warriors. So I'm going to start and talk about Instagram because something that keeps happening to me on Instagram is that like people keep messaging me and being like, sorry, what does that word mean? And so someone said to me just last night, what does daggy mean? Talking about myself. And I was like, Ugh, must be another Aussie word. And then I wrote in my Instagram post the other day, this is going straight to the pool room. And I feel like only Australians get this. So why am I talking about this? Well, somebody else who I was talking to on Instagram was Lucy from Two Lines Fertility. Because one of the questions that I get all the time, and I can't, I can't even believe that I've never done a podcast on this, is how to choose a fertility specialist. And you guys, this is weird because it feels weird to me that today I'm talking to another Aussie on the podcast. So if there's anything that we talk about that you're like, well, that was a weird question, then come and reach out and tag us on Instagram about our Aussie chat. Today, it's my pleasure to talk to Lucy from Two Lines Fertility, who is an absolute pro just we were talking on Instagram about how to choose a fertility specialist and some of the things that she said, I was like, you know what, you just need to come on the podcast and share these because they are such gold. So Lucy is an embryologist. She's a fertility coach. She knows what it's like. Hello, seven year fertility journey. And she helps people choose a specialist, find a specialist right across the globe. And she has lots of cool masterclasses on things about fertility. But Lucy, I'm going to let you introduce yourself before we get into the nitty gritty and super valuable topic of how to choose a fertility specialist. Hi. Hi. I'm sitting here very quietly watching you and enjoying it. This is great. And remembering I'm actually writing a book. I've just written a book chapter for someone and the editor um, came back with, what is banging on about and <laughs> what is um, tearing strips off? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so Australian. You forget, like, surely everyone knows about banging on about. I bang on about stuff all the time. 
Do you know what? And do you know what the thing that I only, so I've had this podcast for years and I only just found out recently from Devon, the fertility finance coach. She's yeah. like, Robin, we don't say fall pregnant. What is falling pregnant? And I was like, what? Apparently it's getting pregnant. You get pregnant. You don't fall pregnant. And I've like, however many <laughs> podcasts, it's always, I think it's always been fall pregnant and you just don't realize. I think fall pregnant is hilarious. What did you trip over? Like, was it that easy? You just fell into it? Yes. Like, what? This is what she was saying. She was like, what is, what is that? That's a terrible accent. Let's, I'll, I'll just stop right there. Yeah, we'll leave that. <laughs> I am, sorry, I'm interrupting you, but I am an embryologist first and then yes. but sort of got a bit disenchanted with the whole big business of IVF. And I thought this is just getting more and more and more big business. And I was looking, I was sort of looking for a bit of a way out. And then I was made redundant from my job doing GP education when I was 35 and a half weeks pregnant at 44 years old with a random miracle extra baby. Um, and just went, you know what, that's that's the trigger. That's it. I need to do this. So that's when I started Two Lines Fertility, which was, well, Teddy will be four in April. So coming up four years. Mm, divine breadcrumbs and that's what I was going to ask you as well as an embryologist you have a bit of like insider like you know both sides of what's going on do you feel like sometimes especially from having your own journey you're like I know too much totally and and people often you know people said to me you know inappropriate comments and inappropriate questions Mm. we all know all about those but during those seven years in between people would say well why don't you just do IVF I'm like but you don't just do IVF IVF is not something you just do it is massive and huge and enormous and it's not something that I feel like I can do so I'm not doing it and it's really people are very confronted by that you know why why wouldn't you do that you work in it like well probably because I work in it I know the tax and the toll it takes on not just the woman who's doing it but all of the relationships around her not just with her partner but everything your mother your sister your brother your workmates everyone it's just a lot it's a lot so I'm a huge advocate of continuing to take steps forward on your journey however I feel like a lot of people go into IVF thinking that it's like this 100% success rate and as an embryologist, like we went in one day, we had our first egg retrieval. I, you know, I'm awful. I don't know the medications. I don't know my exact figures where so many women know that exact thing. But we would, I, I hyperstimulated, like I had heaps of eggs in there. We then got to like 10, I don't know, survived overnight, but only three fertilized. Mm-hmm. And you would see that, like you'd be seeing, you know, all those figures. So I can totally understand how that might have been the case. And, and you know, you said at the beginning of that you're an advocate of people taking the next step, doing doing the next right. And I say do the next right thing. We don't need to say I'm not having IVF. We need to say I'm gathering more information because I can't make a decision at this point. So it's more about what information can I gather that's going to help me make the next decision. And I think a lot of people then fall into, okay, I've given up, I've resigned, I'm going to have IVF. No, it's just the next right thing. Mm-hmm. And and you don't just resign yourself and then find I'm having IVF, it's just going to work now. It's 
no, this is just the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And you just have to focus on what the next thing is. Yes. And I love that. We talk about that all the time. You don't have to know all the moves on the chessboard. You just need to know the next step for you. And you work that out, not in isolation with your specialist and your team and everything like that. So we kind of were like, we need to chat about this on the podcast because we had on Instagram, like I do a lot of Q and A's and you've very kindly helped me with (laughs) whenever I don't know the answer, everyone, I kind of outsource it. I'm like, does somebody else know the answer to this? And we were talking about the first thing we talked about or the funniest thing was you helped me out with like, is there an issue with doing the sperm sample at home and taking it to the fertility clinic? Um, And you're like, no, no, you're good to go. You've got an hour or something. But then we were talking about choosing a fertility specialist. And we'll start with the thing that, like I was, this is where I was like, mm, Lucy needs to come on the podcast because I was talking about like results rates and things like that. And you're like, mm, people also need to be careful that they're not just getting sucked into the clinic that has the best PR. Yep. It's a thing. It's a huge thing. It's a massive thing. These clinics, and and, and I can say this again from behind the scenes, mm-hmm. my most recent job in corporate, corporate IVF, in inverted commas, was as a GP educator. Now, I saw that role very much as an education role. I went out and visited GPs. I talked to them about fertility. I talked to them about their patients. But in reality, I was in the sales and marketing department for an mm-hmm. IVF clinic, and I was told you need to market these three doctors this week because their businesses are a bit quiet. Well, Mm. their businesses might be a bit quiet for a really good reason. And maybe the clinic as a whole is doing really well in their success rates, but these three doctors are maybe actually just a bit shit and maybe they don't relate well to their patients or maybe they, you know, there's a lot of reasons why their businesses might be quiet And maybe actually I don't want to sell my soul to build their practices when I know it's not the right thing for the people at the other end. Preach to that. And I see, like, so we don't have that many clinics here in Perth, but especially in Melbourne, like, you see the big-name clinics and specialists. There's people, you know, with individual practices who are very well-known. And in the United States, there are certain clinics that are very well-known. And... There's ways that people can manipulate even the results to look very favourably. So I think it's kind of important that, like, how have I not discussed such an important thing so far? So we we like to think that the medical people that we're seeing are doing what they're doing because of an altruistic reason, you know, because they, they, they went into fertility because they love it and they want to make babies. And, and some of them, absolutely, that's mm-hmm. why they're there, totally, completely. But unfortunately, there are some who are in it because it's a really good industry to be in at the moment and there's lots of people doing it and it makes lots of money. Let's not, you know, be around the bush. Um, and they do employ marketing firms and PR firms to make sure that they're in the women's day or new idea or whatever the latest women's magazine is to to build their business yeah and I mean you would know as well for like we own our own businesses sometimes you're like you get into things and then all of a sudden you're like 
what the fuck? I have to like keep the lights on and pay for this and pay for that. Like you have, if you have a business, yes. you have to keep the lights on to run the business. So, And it's a constant struggle for me as a scientist to think, hang on a minute, I've also got to get out there and sell myself because I've spent 20 years building up my experience and my knowledge and university and skills and all of those things. I don't want, on the one hand, I don't want to look like I'm trying to make money out of other people's vulnerability. But on the other hand, I, I have to feed my family and and so it's, and keep the lights on, as you say, and do all of that stuff. So it's, it's a constant juggle. Yeah. And I mean, the hours that go into it and fertility specialists, like there's a lot of training, there's a lot of knowledge, things like that. And a lot of hours and that, you know, you can't always, you have to pay for stuff in order to do stuff. So, you know, you have to be out there selling yourself, but sometimes the waters become a bit murky. So that's what you're going to help us with today. And there's two things that people need to like two sort of areas um, that people need to focus on. And I'm going to stop talking so much and listen a little bit more. So what is the first thing that they need to look for? I reckon the first thing you need to look for is the clinic. You need to work out that the clinic is nearby. It's not too hard to get to. The parking's easy. Going through a cycle of IVF, if you end up having IVF, is um, a very time-consuming thing Mm. and you might need to duck out before work, after work, at lunch break, whatever. So you need it to be relatively easily accessible so clinic is the first thing not only where the clinic is but also um, how that clinic functions what what are the policies of that clinic can you have access to your fertility specialist is your fertility specialist going to be the one who actually does your egg collection and your embryo transfer or do they run a doctor of the day system which a lot of clinics do Um, who does your ultrasounds? Is it a nurse? Is it an ultrasonographer? Is it your doctor? Um, and these are questions you might be able to ask when you ring the, the 1-800 number for the clinic. They may or may not know the answer, but these are things that are worth trying to find out from your community of, of other people who are trying to conceive. Um, and then the second, so location, reputation and results, and then the clinic policies, as I said. Can we circle back and just dive into results a little bit more? Sure. Because you would know how people potentially manipulate results. Yes. I've actually just this morning written a blog piece exactly about results because I'm sure, as you know, Robin, there's a new website um, available in Australia yes. and it's causing a lot of conversation. And mm. I'm, trying to get involved in that conversation for, from an objectivist point, I can't even say that word, from the most objective point of view that I possibly can. Um, and I think, you know, by the time I would got to the end of the blog piece, mm-hmm. I sort of went, shit, this actually is just another marketing tool yeah. for clinics. Yeah. And I'm actually a bit disappointed that the, the amount of money and time that went into building that website didn't go into endometriosis research, PCOS research, fertility education in schools. The list goes on. Don't get me started on that. Results, yes. Um, it's it's very easy to think that when you read a success rate in inverted commas from a clinic, what that rate is telling you is how likely you are to get a baby at the end of the process. Yeah. That, that feels obvious. It yep. feels obvious that if I come to your clinic, how likely am I to get a baby? But actually, the published success rates, even the ones on this new website that are comparative, so we are actually comparing apples with apples this time, Mm 
even that one is only how likely am I to get a baby if I have an egg collection? What about if I don't actually need IVF? Mm. What about if I start a cycle and I don't get to egg collection? What about, you know, all these other factors that go into it? So I think putting results at the very top of your list of reasons to choose a clinic is not a great idea. I think it's it, it's it's definitely a factor and particularly in countries other than Australia. In Australia, we're very, very lucky in that most of our clinics sit in, within a very few standard deviations of each other mm. um, and they're all required to report their data to ANZARD, which is the Australian and New Zealand Assisted Reproductive... Blah, blah, blah. Yep. Yep. I can't remember what the D stands for. But um and, and anything that deviates too much from that mm. is gonna they're gonna ask questions. So we're yeah. very lucky in Australia that most of our clinics are actually really good. Um in other countries of the world, there will be a wider variation in success mm. rates and it becomes more important in those situations to make sure that the clinic that you're choosing is kind of in the ballpark. But comparing one clinic at 37.2% and another clinic at 41.8% is ridiculous because you're either going to be 100% pregnant or you're going to be 0% pregnant. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't actually matter whether you, the embryo you had transferred has a 27% chance of implanting or a 15% chance of implanting. It's either going to do it or it's not. Yeah. And that number is really just going to cause you a whole lot more stress and anxiety. Yeah. So as far as using... Um, reputation and results as choosing a clinic within Australia I think it's not nearly as important as it is in a lot of other countries and I think if you're in another country then yes you should make sure that the clinic that you're considering sits in a general ballpark of acceptable results and then look at some other factors for helping you choose a specialist in a clinic. And the other thing as well and I certainly I actually find this amongst some very well-known fertility coaches and things like that as well, is that they turn away clients who they don't feel are going to contribute to their success rate. So sometimes there's a clinic that looks like it has not a great success rate and that's because that clinic is actually really inclusive and is working hard for everyone, not just the people who it thinks are going to be a slam dunk. That's right. So maybe one clinic, 40% of their patients are over the age of 40 and another clinic, 60% of their patients are over the age of 40. You've skewed your data. Another clinic does has a great PGT program. So they take on a whole lot of people who, on the one hand, are only having PGT because they've got a familial condition, they're not actually infertile, so that, that's going to increase their rates. Or on the other hand, are doing PGT as a bit of a last resort because nothing else seems to have worked and they're really hard to treat and, and really low responder or whatever, that you're going to skew your data no matter what. So 100%. Those kind of results are really hard. I think having a league table like we now have in Australia definitely presents that as a risk mm -hmm. that clinics will go, no, I'm not going to take you on. 12 months ago I might have, but I'm not going to now because we have to report our data to this, this body and it all gets published and we it's, it's bad PR. Yep, and same-sex fertility are like... The success rates yep. for people with same-sex fertility because you don't inherently have fertility issues... Exactly. Like, so those who are promoting, like, to a lot of same-sex fertility um, couples, yep. 
and solo um, solo fertility is the same because your sperm donors or your egg donors are great candidates. The ones who are actually promoting that are possibly wanting those higher success rates too. Yep, totally, totally. So I think it comes with inherent risks. Yeah, I think it's it's useful. Yeah, but it comes with inherent risks. Yeah. So we look at with there's multiple factors that we need so, to look yeah. at. That is one fact. So location, reputation and results, and then then the clinic policies. Do they align with what, what you want, uh, you know, uh, and and how you expect it's going to go? Because they do vary clinic to clinic. And some people who start in one clinic and then look to move don't realise that they actually have different options in different clinics mm. and that things might go a different way in a different clinic. So um, that's important. And some people, like, I, one of the things that I, has really opened my eyes in talking to a lot of fertility specialists is that there's almost like clinic protocols. So this clinic, no, no, we do two IUIs, then we move everyone onto IVF, which I don't think is a bad thing, but it's not necessarily always you think someone's looking at your individual circumstances and recommending things. Actually, half the time it's just what the clinic you fit into the box you fit into the box yeah so you know in our clinic we only do blastocyst transfers well what if I make beautiful day threes and they never make it to blastocyst what are you going to do about that are you going to give me a chance or not what about um we don't offer pgt to women who are under 36 because our statistics tell us it doesn't make a difference um, well, hang on a minute. Wait, what about my individual situation? So some clinics are very, very guided by their protocols and their rules. Now, again, this is information you may not get from the 1-800 number when you ring the clinic to find out. They may not give you that information because they might not know. Um, but there must be forums where you can ask those kinds of questions and, and places you can ask those questions. If you're in Melbourne, absolutely, I have the answers to those questions, but unfortunately um, I can't cover more than just Melbourne because that's what I know. Yep. Um, but also that's why sometimes it's okay to get a second opinion and actually book an appointment with the specialist and like interview a couple of specialists. Yep. What a segue, Lucy. So is number two about the specialist? Totally, 100% about the specialist. The, um, when you, when, once you've chosen a clinic, within that clinic there will likely be at least a handful, if not 30, mm. um, different specialists you can choose from within that clinic. And you have a choice. You don't just have to take the first person who's available next week because you're in a hurry and you really want to have treatment right now because you finally decided you're ready and you mm. want it right now actually maybe waiting a month or two might end up better because you'll end up with someone who's more aligned to who you are mm. so I think when when once you've chosen the clinic you then get to choose your specialist you might prefer to have a female or a male you might not care you might prefer um, you might know already that you have stage four endometriosis and you need the person you're seeing to understand the implications of that. Not just to say they treat women with endometriosis, but someone who's, you know, in the top 10 people of treating endometriosis in the country or whatever. Um, you might need them to have other specialities. You might need them to have the Certificate of Reproductive Endocrinology and Infertility. You might need them to have some other kind of special um special interest um and then then it's about is this your person in inverted commas mm. um and and the example I like to use is is um 
three doctors that I sat in on listening to, I've sat in listening to lots of doctors consulting with patients and I've heard these three things. But the first one said, I'm sorry, you've got too many questions. You've paid a lot of money to see me. You need to do what you're told. Yep, yep, true. I heard it. With my, my own ears. open, everyone. <laughs> with my own ears, you've paid a lot of money to see me. Just do as you're told. <gasps> the, the next doctor said, oh, my God, I'm so glad you've got all these questions. I'm just really sorry. I don't have time to answer them. But um, it's great that you have these questions, but if you really want answers to these questions, you're going to need to see one of my colleagues. And the third one said, um, great that you come with these questions. Can we make another appointment? Because I don't have time today, but I'd love to answer them for you another day. Same result, different way of delivering the, the question. Now, if, the, if I'd been sitting in front of that first doctor as the patient, I would have actually cracked a big one. Like I would have just mm -hmm. lost my shit. That is not okay. I have questions about my treatment. I need to know the answers. Um, but the second one, I would have gone, oh, I can totally respect that. Look, you know, I, I, and, and I would have walked out and really, really questioned myself. Have I chosen this specialist because I trust them? Yes, I have. Great. I'm, I'm going to resign myself to this process and let them call the shots. And the third one, I would have gone, great, let's book another appointment because I really want answers to my questions. 100%. So, But it's the same sort of thing and you've got to think about what person you want to see. You know, that first one has a huge following of people who absolutely love them because that's what they want. They want a doctor who's just going to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about it, I just want to do it. You don't ask your heart surgeon which artery they're going in through or um, how long they're going to, you know, we don't ask those questions of other doctors. Why do we ask those questions of fertility doctors? Mm. You know, it, it, yeah. it's different. So it's really important that you choose a person who gels with who you are. Yes. Yeah. Um, another specialist, again, in Melbourne, um, conducted all of his consultations on the sofa with a cup of tea and a box of tissues. People would sit in his waiting room for two hours because he was always running late um, because that's the kind of care they wanted. And he would put his arms around them and, you know, he was so empathetic and so kind. For me, I would have gone, don't touch me, don't talk, just do like you're the doctor, I'm the patient, can we have a table between us? You know, it's just different. And so I think it's really, really important to make sure that when you're choosing the actual specialist, that that specialist is your person. Not just that they know what they're doing, not just that you love their car park or whatever, but that you actually love and respect your specialist and trust them to do the job that, that you want them to do when you're on the same page. That's so important. And like when I think of my specialist, I feel like I lucked out with my specialist. He was a straight shooter who would be, he. I, one day I remember going into, this is a real like aha moment for me, is he said to me, how are you going? And I said, I'm okay. And he was like, no, you're not. You're angry. <laughs> He's like, this isn't working. You're pissed off. And I was like, true. You know what? You're right. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd say to him, you know, like, well, what's the process of this? And he, I loved that he would just always put a number on it. Yep. So obviously, how the fuck does he know? He doesn't know the exact number, but he'd put a note. He'd be like, and that's what you needed. Yeah. And that worked for you. Yes. And, and for other people, I, I have a client who said she didn't want her numbers. She didn't want to know how many eggs she had collected, how many were fertilized. 
didn't want to know how many went to the freezer, nothing. She just didn't want the numbers at all. And so it's it's so different person to person. You know, some, yeah. some people love this one doctor um, in Melbourne I send a lot of people to because he's he's there, he's he's in it, he's got lots of information, he's really um, dynamic. And other people go, whoa, that was really overwhelming. That was far too much information. And I, I whoa, sit back. I can't cope with that. Just tell me what I need to do. Don't, don't give me the information. Mm. So mm. how do you recommend, like, so when, so let's say I'm like, you know what? There's a clinic. It's 10 minutes drive from me. Uh, so it's easy to get to. Success rates look okay. Waiting room looks okay. Had a look at the policies and I'm kind of happy with that. This is the clinic I'm going to go to. Uh, and I call up, What? Yep. how do I do the research or how do I find out the specialist? Or is it a matter of booking one specialist and then if I don't gel with them being like, meh, give me another. Like, how do? You, what do you suggest? I think, um, well, firstly, all clinics have a 1-800 number where you can ring and ask who you should see. Okay. Um, that's a great first line. Also know that that person has a list in front of them of the doctors in the clinic whose businesses are a bit quiet at the moment and need appointments. So they're likely to funnel you towards them as a first line. Yep. But um, if you start asking questions like, is he a straight shooter or is she a straight shooter or um, are they, I, I need someone who's a little bit more softly, softly and gentle. That person should know the answer to that question. Um, is, is this doctor going to be you know I'm looking for someone who is x y and z and and know what you're looking for and they should be able to give you a list you know a couple of names if they can't then go to the website and find a list of the names of the doctors in the clinic and then google those names and find videos of the doctors talking not on the clinic website because what's on the clinic website has been written scripted by marketing teams and put together by PR firms and made to look beautiful. So not that, start with that bit, sure. But um, Google their names and find videos of them talking because listening to people and watching people talk is the best way to know if this is your person or not. And, and some people will listen to me on a podcast and go, oh my God, she's so not my person. And other people will go, I love her. I need to talk to her more. And it, the same goes for fertility specialists. Um, then cautiously search for um, reviews of that doctor. Now, I say cautiously because I would say, generally speaking, most people who write reviews are unhappy or angry people. And generally, they're not happy people who write reviews. I, I could be proven wrong. I'm happy to be proven wrong. But I think you should be very cautious when reading reviews about fertility specialists. Oftentimes, the person who's written the review is someone who was unsuccessful and they need someone to blame. Um, also, I say cautiously reading reviews because when we read reviews for anything, could be a fridge, could be, you know, a house, could be anything, we read these reviews and we put our own values on the person who's writing the review. We've got three lines of text and we imagine it's coming out of our own head when in reality that information could be coming from someone who's so far from who we are that it's just ridiculous. Um, and so we need to have that kind of filter on what we're reading. Narrow it down to a short list of a couple of specialists and then book appointments with them. It, it's going to have you out of pocket not that much, certainly not as much as the cycle of IVF mm. and, and see if you gel with them and see what you think of them. Um, and if it's still difficult after that, 
if I say it's not a difficult decision if there's a, an obvious right answer. If it's a difficult decision, then no answer is obviously wrong. So um, if it's still difficult, just pick one because yeah. that'll be right. Yeah. And circling back to something that you mentioned before when you were talking and you said, you know, stage four endometriosis, and this is something that I feel always compelled to tell people is that my personal opinion is stop going to generic OBGYNs for oh God, yes. fertility stuff because yep. they might see endometriosis two times a month. A fertility specialist who specialises in endometriosis might see it like freaking eight times a day. Yep. Hell yes. And and it's an ob it's it's an obvious first line. You know, you go to your GP, you say, we don't want IVF. We just want a little bit more information about fertility. And they send you to an OBGYN who doesn't specialise in fertility or specialises in fertility but isn't linked with a fertility clinic. So... It, and, and for me, choosing a specialist is about trying to work out what's motivating this person, what gets this person out of bed every day. And I think it either lies in altruism or it lies in finance. If you see a doctor, whoever it is, or anyone, any specialist you get to do anything, a plumber, a, an electrician, whatever, why are you doing what you do? Are you doing it for the financial reward or are you doing it because you love it? Now, if you see an OBGYN who doesn't, who isn't linked with a fertility clinic, they might be doing it because they love, they've got a special interest in fertility, but they also want to hang on to you for as long as they can, because that's how they send their kids to private school. Cynical much, bit, yes, <laughs> but um, it, it, they're not going to roll you into the next thing that you need on the one hand, they're not going to do it too quickly, and that might be a good thing, but they also might not do it quickly enough. Mm. And if you go and see a fertility specialist who's linked with a fertility clinic, yes, there's a risk they're going to roll you into IVF before you're really ready, but you get to choose that. You can say no. But also, when you are ready, you're already, you've already got the relationship with them and you can just keep rolling with the punches and, and, and move on to whatever the next right thing is. Mm. Um, if you see a fertility doctor who only does fertility work, only does IVF, again, the risk is that they're going to keep you doing IVF cycles because that's how they pay their private school bills. If you see a fertility doctor who also does obstetrics, well, they kind of want you to love them so much that you stay with them when you get pregnant so that they can deliver your baby because that's actually how they send their kids to private school, not for the fertility, but for the obstetrics. So, you know, there's, there's pluses to that too. And I think that sometimes, like sometimes people just genuinely like the variety of things. Yeah. Um, but the problem for me in doing that is just that if you're 50% of your clients are like pregnant women, that's 50% less knowledge experience that you have within like, and you know, that's double the amount of journals and research that you need to read and all Absolutely. of that. Yeah. Yep. Like, almost like so double. So these are all things to, that, you, you know, and, and then you go, oh, my God, this this is just too freaking hard. I cannot make this decision. This is, I don't know what I want. And a lot of people will be listening to this going, well, but I don't know what I want because I don't know what my options are. So I don't, you know, I remember something, someone saying to me when I had a newborn, just trust your instinct. I'm like, I don't know what my instinct is because I've never done this before. They don't tell me to trust my instincts. Um and I think it's sort of a little bit similar here. And that's where I say to my clients, okay, if you're feeling like that, take a step back, look, gather all the information 
and then take a step back. It might only be for a week. It's not going to delay anything. The right answer is going to come to you. If you keep pushing it, you won't get the right answer. So gather the information and then step away for a couple of days and do something else. And then yep. the universe will show you. And sometimes like, sometimes you just have to take a step forward and sometimes you figure out what you want by discovering what you don't want. Absolutely. Absolutely. You go in and you go, oh my God, that's not what I want. I'm out. Whoa, yeah. back away. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any more advice for us on you know, how to choose a fertility clinic um, or how to even change a fertility clinic before I put you through the dreaded speed round? Oh my God, speed round. I'm nervous already. <laughs> oh, <I can't> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, any particular special advice? Look, I think just remember you're in the driver's seat mm. and whilst you feel like you're letting your specialist down if you move to a different one and you really like them and they're really nice but you still haven't got what you wanted, do you know what? That they, they see that and hear that every day. They don't discuss you in the tea room. They don't, they care but they actually don't really care they do of course care but um so if you feel like you're ready to change specialists that's the time when you're ready to change specialists if you feel like you want to ask someone else for a second opinion that's when you're ready to ask someone else a second opinion and your original doctor won't mind that you do that so they don't care is that they don't mind that you do that in fact they'll probably support you too so that would be my last advice when you think it's time to do something that's when it's time to do something Mm, that is I'm so glad that you included that advice as well so Lucy talk to me a little bit like tell us well I guess where we can find you but I'm also really curious about the services that you provide in Melbourne and also how you support people through other programs globally sure so um you can find me at two lines fertility on Facebook Instagram and my website is twolinesfertility.com.au. So that's T-W-O, lines, L-I-N-E-S, because my surname is Lines. So oh, I think that's really clever and I'm really proud of that. Um, <laughs> that's where you can find me. What, how do I support people? So um, as far as the choosing a specialist is concerned, um, I have a choosing a specialist service in Melbourne where people can answer a series of questions on my website and then have a Zoom chat with me and we talk through the, a shortlist and I help guide them to a short list of specialists in Melbourne. If you're not in Melbourne, I do have the who and when to ask for help e-course on my website, um, which intermittently is free occasionally when I do that. Um, and if you sign up to my uh, email service, that, that is a free thing that you get with my emails. Um, other than the Help Me Choose a Specialist service, I also offer bundle packages where I just support people through the whole lot of fertility so wherever you are whatever questions you have you've got you know questions about PGT you've got questions about blastulation you've got questions about fertilization you've got questions about natural fertility and you just want someone on your side to ask those questions I'm here for that or even um, like feet to give you the questions for you to ask <laughs> 
absolutely absolutely so I have clients who ring me on their way out of their fertility specialist appointment like oh my god he said x y and z I don't even know what that means and what is he talking about and often with those people I'll say okay cool give me give me 10 and I ring their specialist and talk to their specialist about what it was that they were trying to say and then I come back to my client and say okay so what they were trying to say but didn't achieve is x y and z so decoding that doctor speak and helping people to feel I, I think a lot of stress management through through IVF and through anything is about understanding mm. if, if I can understand yeah. what's going on then I feel a whole lot stressed about a lot less stressed about it so I don't generally call myself a fertility coach per se because I'm not very good at the mindset-y stuff and the coachy sort of stuff. I'm much better at the information. What does this actually mean? What are they talking about? What are these words? And how can I reconcile that in my head with where I'm up to? I love that. Wait. When I worked in marketing, I used to work at the head office of this big car company and we used to have a web development team. I used to have 20 marketing coordinators under me. And like literally that was 50% of my job was they would get off the phone to the website team and be like, I don't know the fuck this guy just told me to do. And I'll be like, yo, Andrew. <laughs> um, and that was, yeah. And that was like, and then one day I was like, I need to learn better how to do this. I started a website yeah, now we're, here I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's really just about decoding that information and helping people to understand what's going on. And a lot of people, and, and bridging the gap between sitting on your sofa going, shit, all my friends are pregnant and I'm not, to, oh, my God, I'm suddenly having IVF. How did that happen? And, and nowhere along the way did anyone talk to me about endocrine-disrupting chemicals or how my natural cycle works or the fact that I only ovulate once a month or even when that is. Or, you know, I've had clients who had two cycles of IVF and then I've talked to them for three months and then they've got pregnant naturally because they were doing it at the wrong time. Oh. Like, yeah, ah, it blows my brain. Why don't why don't we educate our kids about this? That's another whole podcast. Oh, Sorry. it is. Yep, and I I feel <laughs> You've probably done that. it a million times. Uh, and I feel like my whole job is providing people with mental well being and emotional resilience because we do phys ed, we do sex ed. Hang on, where is the mental health ed? But anyway, hundred um, percent right. Um, yep. But also, I think sometimes as well, like like what you said when you have the education about things sometimes the monster has no teeth or they're not as big as what you thought they were and sometimes if you feel like do you know what actually I just want someone to explain to me slowly and calmly because they do they talk really fast they do diagrams on scrappy pieces of paper and then you're like they're like bye enjoy and sometimes you might feel like you just, I guess, want someone to really explain it to you in plain English, slowly yep. and calmly, and who is totally happy to repeat it themselves 12 yep. times until you understand for your own peace of mind. So I think that's a, I think that is so important and so needed. And it works hand in hand with the fertility coaches, because like I said, I don't do the coachy stuff so much. I do the explanation, you know, I, I do the, the let's understand. Yeah, translating. I've, I've spent three years trying to work out what to name what I actually do and there isn't a name for it. And as far as I know, I'm still the only embryologist doing it. Um, but um, it, it's it's just, you know, the, the, the clients that I see go, oh, my God, this was amazing. It's just yes. a, a watershed moment. I, I oh, get it. 
Cool. Love right. it. I'm going on with the next thing. All right. I'm hitting you with the speed round now. Radio. I'm ready. Okay. Do you have a favorite quote or affirmation? I do. Everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Oh, I love it. Do you have a book that you recommend everyone reads? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I love it. Yeah. Give me like a cool hack in the world. A cool hack in the world. When you're reheating your food in the microwave, don't use glad wrap or cooking film or whatever you call it in your country. Put a plate on the top and reduce one more exposure to plastics. Yes, I love that. That's a life-changing little hack right there. And if you had just one message or one thing that you were like, I'm here, I'm on this platform, imagine that this was going to like millions of people around the world and you were like, this needs to be known, what would you scream from the rooftops? There is no such thing as the best fertility specialist. Oh, plot tweet. That's a deep one. I love it. I really love that. Lucy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I know that we are going to get so many people reach out to us on Instagram and be like, you know what? That was fucking great because it's so (laughs) important and so many people want to know. So thank you so much for joining us today. My absolute pleasure. My DMs are always open and I'm always happy to help you with your Q&As. Lovely. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, Warrior, I need to ask you a huge favour. Did you know that the Fertility Warriors podcast comes out every Wednesday? So why not subscribe so that you get notified of future episodes? But also, if you liked this episode, and especially if you're a long-term listener, you would make my day if you would jump into your podcast player and leave me a written review. Seriously, I live for these. But more importantly, they tell the podcast gods that this podcast is helpful so that they can send it out to more people and you can help me help others in the process. I would be ever so grateful for a podcast review. But lastly, Warrior, I need to also let you know, I am not a doctor or a dietitian or a financial advisor. I'm me. And the information in this podcast is for information and inspirational purposes only, based on my own experiences. So please don't substitute the information you hear on the Fertility Warriors podcast for professional advice. And know that girl, in the world of trying to conceive, there are no guaranteed pregnancy or other outcomes. Please check out my website, robinberkin.com, if you would like to read my full terms and conditions.